Welcome to what I hope is a very special edition of the Buzz on Business, because I'm joined with three of my oldest, and I do mean oldest, uh, friends and colleagues, and I'm going to introduce them uh, via seniority. So first, starting in 1986, Andrew Urich who, although substantially younger than me, has more seniority than myself. Well, I've been telling you that I'm substantially younger than you for years, and what I, what I try to figure out is we were born one year apart, except you're born on January 1st, and I'm born at the end of the year. But somehow, even though we were born one year apart, somehow I'm four years younger than you <laughs> ba based on the fact that I was born later in the year. It's a, a, a mystery of science and mathematics, uh, I started in 1989, and so next we have Dr. Rick Wilson, head of the MSIS department, who started in 90, correct? That is correct, and I'm still trying. I've got a piece of paper here trying to figure out whatever math Andy was just telling us about, the four-year <laughs> thing. You so. see what I'm going at, though, don't you? Uh, not entirely, but that's that's not the first time. So. <laughs> And then finally, uh, the, new guy. Up the, quattro, <laughs> the new guy, the youngster, uh, Dr. Raj Basu, who started in 91. Correct? Yep, in 86. I was in high school when Andy was a professor <laughs> here. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to do new math, I mean, literally I was in high school. So, yeah, we're uh, some of the longest tenured people here. Uh, and we've known each other uh, almost from that 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 moment. Rick and I have a long standing connection because he got his PhD in Nebraska like I did, uh, inherited my office dungeon basement office when I the left. The closet, the the closet with it's the only room there in the basement that you didn't have to share with three or four other colleagues. So it was it was an honor to follow Ken in his footsteps, even then before before <laughs> he became dean. So I, I still don't know how I got it. They, uh, you know, but anyway, I, I did. But uh, did you know each other there briefly? Because Rick was wow. when I was there, you were still working in Omaha, right? But yeah, I, I lived in Omaha, did a little bit of, of US West stuff who I'd worked for before and commuted down to Lincoln, taught my classes attended a few seminars and got the heck out of Dodge uh, yeah. back back home. So We all, uh, all the other Dodge students, we just saw this guy run everywhere. Like, who is this guy? Because <laughs> Rick was in well, NIS and I was in management. And hey, if you run and you stay ahead of them, they can't catch you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. It was just he was constantly in motion because he was working and doing that. So I was like, dang, how does he do this? And uh, yeah, uh, but but Ken Ken still hasn't been able to get rid of me because he he may or may not remember. But when I I uh, came down here and interviewed in February of 1990, and then I made a second trip and visited him and Lori and Zeke. Right, Zeke was born over at the duplex on the southwest side of town, just kind of getting a getting another opinion on whether or not uh, the metropolis of Stillwater was was a great place to live. He assured me it was, and the rest is history. He tried to do the same, but I, I wouldn't buy it. <laughs> I always lived in Tulsa. That's right. You've always been in Tulsa, yeah. right? And Andy and I, we used to ride together. I yeah, saved Andy. Right. I've been back and forth twice. So I started in Stillwater, then I moved to Tulsa, back to Stillwater, now back to Tulsa. So I've been back and forth trying to, trying to decide. So you're doing another trip back. No, I'm done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna live to out, live out my destiny in Tulsa. So, so I have to I have to ask Andy, did you used to ride in the car blindfolded, knowing of Raja's propensity for the triple digit uh, uh, speed limits? <laughs> do, do you remember me speeding? I, don't I, I I wasn't the speeding; it was the inattentiveness to uh, circumstances that caused us 
Cause us to be alarmed. You got a speeding ticket, by the way. I did get a speeding ticket. Yeah, I did. So, get a so I've never got it. I've never had a speeding ticket. He was had going a so fast ticket. the cops couldn't catch him. That's why he never <laughs> got a speeding ticket. I guess that must be one of those urban legends, then. So I apologize, Rod. You got in an accident though. Yeah, but it wasn't my fault. That's what they all say. <laughs> no, no. I, I, yes, I mean the, the other guy pulled in front of me on a on a red light. Yeah, and but, you were go, you funny. were doing about one hundred and ten. Back in the day, though, they had straight white, like you know, all the white lines in the middle of the road used to be connected. I noticed now they have like, you know. Well, back in the old days when they <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. Went to, well, I thought we would just uh, in a few indulgences podcast uh, we'll uh, go back in time a bit. Uh, several things. Well, so. I think I first met Andy and when Rick was here, we played on the same softball team, the yes, Robber Barons. The Robber Barons. Oh, yeah. That was fun. And uh, when I first met Andy, I was convinced he didn't like me. That is the weirdest thing. Well, you know, because all I knew of you, you were from New York uh, and you made fun of me. And so I thought, oh, this guy. He, he, Pappas said I made fun of him, too, which I. Which you I, said you poked his tummy. I absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely would never poke anybody's tummy. He said you poked his tummy. You can tell when things ring true <laughs> and, and when they don't ring true. What did, did I tease you about something? Is that what I. Oh, yeah. But, you know, then I realized you, you, you tease me because you like me. I tease me. you because I like you. I. I say things that, you know, I mean, this has been my whole career of, of saying things that people wouldn't expect somebody to say. So I probably was just just teasing you. But I, I, I liked you from uh, from the very beginning. And um, you kept telling me on that softball, you kept, I thought you didn't like me. You said, said it 50 or 60 times. I don't know why it took so long to become convinced. <laughs> I, I was, yeah, I, uh, I, I was thoroughly convinced. But uh... And since you mentioned softball, um, I think, didn't you play second base uh, and then short fielder sometimes? Yeah, I think then, because then I played shortstop till Rick, and then Rick, you played shortstop, and I moved over to first base later on. All I remember is one time, and you can edit this out if it's not appropriate, but in the old days, you could talk about the fact that alcohol existed, right? <laughs> and, uh, talk about it? I don't think so. And we took a little break because we had games that were about, let's say, three hours apart, something like this. And the team <laughs> yeah. went to um, George's Stables or somewhere like that. And then when we got back, I was the, uh, the captain and I made the batting order uh, direct relation to who drank the most uh, the most <laughs> beer, and as I recall, uh, Dean Eastman was uh, batting leadoff, <laughs> and uh, somehow from second base, my recollection is he threw the ball over the backstop for a play at the plate, and um, th that was it was fun. I lived in town, and 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 softball was an absolute ton of fun. It's one of the things that was great about the old days and is different about the new days is a lot of guys were on the softball team together. Everybody's door was open, right? We would go to coffee breaks together. You, you would see virtually everybody um, all the time, and we did a ton of stuff together. And it, you know, in the modern world, I think not just you know, us, but at OSU, I think socializing has become much rarer. We, we used to have lunch together every day. Every day? Every day. Like, Every week, every day, month after month. Yeah. For, for like years. Yeah. yeah, they had the cafeteria in the union, so it was cheap. We all filed over there. We, we, we talked about 
recently about the the old union where where now they have the atrium it used to be outside a sunken yeah, area outside yeah, an open with a picnic tables and all that and i think uh, and I guess that was our own version of a podcast. It seemed like every day we had a guest, a guest from <laughs> yeah, the, the school of business uh, telling us, uh, probably telling us young faculty how to behave or whether there was lacunas in our knowledge or things like yeah, that. We had to tell that story. <laughs> we, had, we used to have a lot more characters back then. Like there are no characters anymore, it seems. You know, it seems like there are no, yeah. more, no characters yeah. anymore. My, uh, my father would come to visit and he'd, and he'd come to class, then he'd come to lunch with us, and he would love to just watch us have lunch. People, people would bring their A material, because my, my dad was coming to watch, and I, it, was, it was like a podcast, right? We would whatever, we would like go back to whatever was funny for the last few months and bring it back up to show them how witty we were. So, so the, the lunch that uh, Roger was there, Rick and I, and we were with one of our colleagues who was retired, John Mullen. And uh, John, uh, you guys might want to tell this as well. So, so John, John, who is a, a world-class researcher, uh, trained PhD in, in psychology, right? He was a, a clinical psychologist or, or whatever, and uh, you know, an eminent faculty member and all that. And I'm sure he, he relished the opportunity to have an audience of us young, impressionable faculty that needed to look up to him. And so, uh, as oftentimes happened, and at least in my early years, that's why I had a dictionary in my office, but John was going on about the lacuna of knowledge in something. And of course, lacuna was not a normal, at least wasn't a normal word in my vocabulary. And so being the smart aleck that I was, because I didn't know any better then, some might say I've still not learned, but I made some comment about, oh, a lacuna? Uh, that's a Chevy, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> oh, and of course, and of course, John, just uh, Dr. Moen, just, just looked at us young people like, oh my goodness, they, well, how did we hire these people? I think that's probably the last lunch he went on. But, but so at John's retirement, to, to do everything full circle, a lacuna is what and, and, and you guys may know this better. I thought it was Lacuna, Jamaica, ooh, I'm going to take it. <laughs> no, no. So, so in, 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 right, if you guys have done the, the study abroad trip to London, right, that if you get on the train over there or whatever, they always have a sign that says, watch the lacuna or something mind like that. Gap. Mind, yeah. mind the gap. Mind the gap. That's right. So, uh, so John, I, I found a shirt online for John, so I presented to him at his retirement, and he feigned like it was funny and nice, but he probably was still perturbed after, after all these years. So tip every day, it's like every week we had a different, uh, whether it was Andy's dad or, or John Moen or other celebrities who'd came by to experience the lunchtime. And I think, speaking of big words, uh, we have to mention Wayne Meinhardt. Egregious. Who, uh, Egregious. He, I mean, Wayne, those don't know him, he, he looked like he just retired from the Marines a moment ago. Uh, still that fit, the same haircut and everything. And, and department meetings were an adventure in terms of vocabulary. He, he, he would wear shorts with dress shoes. Dingo boots. <laughs> dingo boots. <laughs> shorts with dingo <laughs> boots. But and it's I, the characters. Were, yeah. yeah. It's the characters because, you know, he's, he's, he left, what, 30 years ago or more? No, he passed away 20, he passed away in 2000 or 2001. Or two, so twenty years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, is that that seems actually more recent than it than it was. Yeah. But we we still pay tribute to him with the uh, uh, Dean Eastman on behalf of the <laughs> Department of Management. I would like to present because everybody had a style and everybody sort of had an act, 
And it was, you'd go to faculty, remember in, in faculty uh, meetings, we used to elect Josh Weiner as the parliamentarian for 20 years in a row <laughs> and uh, he, because it made him mad. And, and every, every year he's like, I don't, I don't want to be the parliamentarian and make a motion. And, and, it was, and it was fun and funny. And I think it's weird. People didn't take themselves as seriously in interacting with each other but they were very, very serious about teaching. Yeah, it seemed like back then. Yeah. yeah, but there was this one finance professor who took himself so seriously, he would apply for every senior level job that opened up. It didn't even matter what the job was. He would apply for every job, dean, associate dean, president, Athletic director, coach, it yep. make no yeah. difference. It was, yeah, like he, clockwork. He played second base with a with a, uh, oh, a, right. a thing on his, he had his... Uh, pacemaker. Pacemaker, right? Oh, really? And, 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 and his, like, his, his, re die. his reflexes were so bad by the end, he had no idea of this. And I thought we were going to have to do CPR every time a ground ball went towards him. But... Uh, Fortunately, he just went between his legs most of the time. But, <laughs> but, I, but we, we, he, will, he shall remain nameless. So, but yeah. he was he was funny because he was in class, and I was in there visiting once, and he told his class about his his pacemaker and said, "If I, you know, if if I have a heart attack, extra credit to anyone who revives me." <laughs> so he wasn't, he, you know, that's how you know, that's how it was. Seriously, that's a true story. He he he, he thought that was very funny to tell his class that. Probably put it in a syllabus. <laughs> Probably did. How many points? That's with it. Here's one, especially uh, for Raj and, and and the dean. We we teach all this management um, stuff, and, and the, the three of us do it for businesses, right? And we tell everybody you're you're supposed to have empathy. You're supposed to earn people's respect, and and we tell them all this stuff. But in the old days. These deans and department heads were imperious. They, they were bossy. They told you what to do, and you freaking did it. And, and things got done. And it seems today, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure President Shrum stopped listening. Like, I don't even answer email because <laughs> it's, you don't feel like you have to do what you don't want to do anymore. And when we were new, good grief, they tell you to show up for stuff, you show up. They tell you to turn your paper in, turn your paper in. I mean, it was so I'll ask all three of you, but what, what, what's your thinking on this? Because that, that's um, we, have we been telling people the right thing all these years? I don't know. You know, Wayne uh, would ask me if I wanted to teach morning or afternoon. That was, that was my input. So I said morning. So I had 7.30, 8.30, and 9.30. Um, you know, be right. Somewhat of it was a different time. And that, yeah, you – and I never thought anything of it. It was they, better than being a doctoral student. But, they, you know, they say come to graduation. And virtually everybody went to graduation. If you didn't, you had to provide – you know, a, a reason. And they, they say, we're having, you know, a dinner after, after work and you, you were expected to come and, 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 and you came at least back in the, back in the eighties and nineties, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think also though, the, the pressure for research was much lower than that it is now. Right. I mean, I, I, I was going to say, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I think a lot of faculty now feel they can't do so many of the little things because they have to do research. Now, I'm not sure coming to graduation or doing some of these things actually impact research that much. Uh, but I think that's definitely it. But I think there was also a sense of community. 
Um, there are more things to do in Stillwater. There are more things to do in Oklahoma. And back then, I don't think there were. So everybody did things together, including going to graduation or, or, or uh, departmental parties and things like that. I'm still stuck on that word imperious. I didn't bring my dictionary with me. <laughs> I felt like I was having a flashback to Wayne. But uh, I, I think that there's one... Um, there's probably one reason why the four of us are sitting here talking about it after putting in over 120 plus years is the fact that the little things to us, we recognize, and you guys do it with your public programs. Those are important things. They're not little, right? It's, it's the, the kinds of things that make the sense of community and the organization work. And uh, I hope that now that we're past the COVID that that maybe we can create more of that because I think that's what that's why we've uh, loved coming to work all these years, or at least at least I have. So and it was nice you got to know people in different departments. You yeah, because mm -hmm. wherever you were by in the hallway, the doors open, you stop and chat. We uh, yeah, we went to lunch. It was uh, people from gosh, about three or four departments that would go with us. Uh, we knew students really well. Yep. You know, we used to know students really, really well. Well, and that was, and what, it, you know, we went away from faculty advising to the professional advice. And again, I think it's a good idea, but we did lose some of that connectivity. But I think, I think you did a great job through power of personal to create, you know, br bring that back or bring that back to where we are. I, I think it's harder because we're a much larger college, right? I mean, we have 5,000, 6,000 students. What About is 6, it? 6,000. 6,000. And we used to be 2,500, 3,000 students. So... I think it makes it diff different. Yeah, the, the power of personal thing is, uh, I can remember that when we were younger faculty, it, it seemed like every time we, we heard whatever OU was doing, we thought, oh my God, we're gonna, we have to do something related to that instead of focusing on what was, has always been our strength was, was making sure that we knew our students did the little things and, and didn't worry about what OU was doing or anybody else. And I think the power of personal thing was a way of, of finally, after all those years, capturing what it is that made us special. And I think that we will continue to thrive with that because I think that's, that's really true. And I'm glad we, we, we finally moved off the worrying about all the comparison kind of stuff. And I know I sound like a story I'm going to tell my granddaughter here in a few <laughs> years or, or whatever it is, but it's true. We spent two- children? What's that? Do you have grandchildren? I have a three-month-old granddaughter. Good wow. God. I know. Evelyn Jane. Yeah. That's right. You have a three-month-old grandchild, and Andy's got a almost a three-year-month-old child. <laughs> What's your point, Rod? And you guys are the same age. I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the one thing I appreciate you about having kids, you finally realize why I couldn't do some stuff uh, back in the day. Uh, I never really felt like you you um, begged out because of kids too much. I thought you you showed up for everything. I, I hope I didn't make that complaint. No, no, no. Not that complaint, but I think it gave you a perspective. I always, uh, I always wanted, when, when you had kids and I did not, I always like wanted to be invited to go do stuff with you and your kids. Really? Wow. I don't know if I clarified that. No. And uh I know one thing is that uh, your kids did no work around the house because we had this constant, you would have a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, we'd come over to your house and you're cutting the grass. And uh, Dooley, who should be here for this podcast, but he's at Chattanooga, he bought, uh, when, when my child was born, he bought a toy lawnmower because he knew that my boys would be would be cutting the grass. Now, first, my sons, they actually did mow the lawn. Did they? Yeah. All right. I actually enjoyed it, so I would do it sometimes. That's why right. I enjoyed it, but I did make them. I didn't get a, 
I didn't get a self-propelled mower till I graduated. <laughs> so, well, what you think back to, uh, you know, early days or whatever, what do you, what to you are some of the things that you remember either most people otherwise the, that left a lasting impression? Well, to me, it was, it was, it was, um, the most fun time I remember in my life is, is being a new professor. And it had to do with, you know, making so many friends and, um, you know, we are, um, friends with Joe Easton, who was a student and we, we were friend friends with him, even though we're old professors, but we knew him and we, we socialized with him. And I think it was socializing with our colleagues socialize with interesting students. Raj, Raj mentioned that, right? That we, we knew students much better and we, you know, got to know them, them more. And, you know, playing softball and, and having community, I just remember it being absolutely, it was like going to college and never having to study. That's what it was like <laughs> to me. Making other people study. Yeah. You got to talk and they had to take notes. It's <laughs> a <laughs> dream come true. <laughs> I, I think I think that's 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 very important. I was thinking when my wife and I got married, um, I had ten former students who traveled to Paris to come to the wedding, and you know I think that would be um, very unusual in most cases. I'll tell you here's here's something. You know when we first came here, we played second fiddle to o, OU. There's absolutely no doubt, and it was constantly we were ha haunted by how good OU was. Everybody I think in Oklahoma believed. OU was better. I don't think that is true at all anymore of OSU as an institution and the Spear School. And, and a huge part of that credit, Ken, goes to you. You know, you have been, you know, in, in my opinion, the most successful dean in my 32 years for sure. But I think, you know, even probably going further than that. I mean, you know, and it's not the building, right? Obviously, you had to finish raising the money to build this building. I think more than anything else, it's the curriculum change that you put through with the real emphasis on, on the power of personal. Uh, and it was a hard fight because there were a lot of people who believed that if we're going to have reform, it should be technical reform. And you had the vision and you saw that it, that reform had to be sort of interpersonal reform. How, what people learn, technical skills change all the time. And I think, I think that's the biggest change you have made. Um, in this institution. Yeah, my hair was black, I think, when I started that. So. You had hair. <laughs> yeah. right. and, and, Everywhere. And, and, and as, a, as the technical analytics person on board here, <laughs> I would- Yeah, too, by the I, way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would agree with Raj, uh, but at the same time he, that we were able to do the important inter interpersonal, we also at the same time ramped up what we did analytic-wise. And I think, I think that combination of being being not just a, a good data person, but a, but a problem solver involves the interpersonal aspect as well. And so I think that's, that's where the Spears School has really, has really uh, grown and, and cornered the market on. Uh, I, think, I think all of that dates back, we were talking about, you know, what, what do we remember from the prior days and all that? And there's, you know, whatever, what Andy and, and Raj said is so true. It's all about the community and all that. I remember when we used to have the, our own, I think we call it a convocation for the School of Business. We had it over at the, at the old Saratine Center. And it was a small thing before we, uh, it, it, we also had the, the campus-wide thing. And I can remember 
getting into trouble one year because because the faculty were sitting up on stage and the students would bypass the line where whoever was shaking their hand and come and individually shake all of us, shake our hands and all that. And it's because we, like you'd said, we knew our students and it was, it was a, a much more personal connection. And, and I see, I still see hope that because, because of the new building and because of, of, it's not just our tagline, it's what we believe in. I, I, uh, I hope, I, I think that we can get back to that, even with 6,000 students. I know I'm lucky because I get a, I get a, uh, spend an awful lot of time with the graduate students, right? I teach a lot of the MBAs and, and the masters of accounting and, and all that. And it's, it's a lot of fun here in the, the, I don't know if I want to use the word twilight of the career, of my career <laughs> or whatever, but it's, but that's really How can it be so twilight meaningful. of your career? You're younger than Andy. Well, that's true. <laughs> well, I think it gets, it gets twilight a couple, a couple hours before, for sun, before sunset, right? So I am in the last couple hours or whatever, but, but those, those, that's, uh, you know, after all the papers we've published and all the public programs we've done and all that, at the end of the day, it's, it's, you know, every minute we can, we can change the trajectory of somebody, mainly a student. And I know, uh, speaking for the three of you, I know you guys have done a lot of trajectory changing uh, for the, the betterment of the world. So, uh, but a lot of that is how we're, we're allowed to do that, and especially the last 10 years. Yeah. When, I, when I talk to parents of prospective students who uh, also have visited the other school, they all have told me they can, as soon as they step on this campus, they can feel the difference. They feel like people want them to be there. They feel like someone cares about them. Want, you know, and they said that, you know, that, that that's a big difference between us and and our competitor. And I, I think it does permeate that there are a lot of people here who do want, you know, people to be successful. And he's going to say something funny. He's got that. No, I, I'm serious, <laughs> serious and nice. I, I did have something funny, but I decided to let it pass to say something serious because I think what what you know the three of you just said about you know all made some reference to OU. And I think that the thing that Raj was talking about where Ken has led this um, initiative to make our curriculum very practical and very relevant, right? It, it flowed out of the Easton Center. And at the very beginning, when, when we met um, with, with Joe Easton, um, we decided that, that we were not going to put lipstick on a pig, that making students you know, preparing students for the real world would start when they were freshmen. And over the years that they're here, they actually become a better person. So you don't, so I think what they do at our competitor and all of our competitors, right, is when this initiative came up to get people quote unquote career ready, they focused on their resume and practice interviewing, which, which is of course important, but to me it's lipstick on a pig. You're making the student look as good as they can look, but through our practical curriculum, and then running the students through the Easton Center with mandatory activities, and we encourage being more involved on campus, what we've been finding is that recruiters have noticed our students um, you know, are, are more polished, they are uh, coming across better, they're more uh, outgoing, they're more comfortable in these stressful situations. So I think that is... Um, you know, one of the things that 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 helped us distinguish ourselves. Yeah, I've heard that from recruiters too. They they really have noticed a big difference in our students over the last couple of years, All right? Uh, and you know, frankly, I think our employment rate shows that. And and so it, uh, uh, but yeah, again, it wouldn't be possible if we didn't have enough people who were committed to the cause. 
I do want to take this moment to say Joe Easton's my all-time favorite student. Uh, Jennifer Koontz is going to get really mad, but I'm, I'm, I just want to get in there and just say it. Okay. So the funny thing I was going to say, the hopefully funny thing, was in 1991, I got to give the, they used to let faculty members give the graduation speech. If you, if you speech. won the Griner. If you won the teaching right? award, you could give the graduation speech. So it's 91, I'm in my fifth year. As soon as they gave me tenure... I stopped cutting my hair, so I grew a ponytail, <laughs> which which is just appalling that, that I had a ponytail. You had that Fabio, Fabio oh, look going, man. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and I'm wearing my academic regalia without my hat, and I'm going to give the graduation speech. And, and, and Sam Meyer calls my name, and I stand up, and then he was going to say nice things about me. So I sat back down, which was kind of awkward. And then after he got done with the introduction, I said, uh, wow. I said, I thought he was going to say the views of Andy Urich are not the same <laughs> as the business college. But then I started with, I said, I want to start with a quote. And I want to quote Benjamin Franklin, who was a close personal friend with both of these faculty members. <laughs> and, that, and that was my, my kickoff, and it went downhill from there. So I had six minutes of jokes. And, uh, but seriously, that was one of the high points of my life. It was 6,000 people. And... Um, you know, my, my life dream had always been to try to make 6,000 people laugh at once. So I, I think it's all been downhill from there. <laughs> I, I think the high point of your life was after graduate, uh -oh. an after party at graduation, Andy still had long hair, but he had to, then he was tying it back with a bandana. The party had sort of run out of control. And, uh, and the police come knocking. And, and Andy's got a box of pizza in one hand and a beer in the other with long hair and a bandana. He goes, I'm going to go talk to them. <laughs> We're not going to go further. Well, I'm known the... for my people skills. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a power of personal. <laughs> I, I won't deny that that's true. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Buzz on Business. Uh, be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media at Spears Business OSU. If you or someone you know have an interesting business story or industry insight, send us a DM. Until next time, this is The Buzz on Business. <laughs>